0: Welcome back to the Short Staff Podcast. This is Take Two, actually. <laughs> we had a uh, Take One that didn't turn out so well. Um, one of the guys behind camera—I won't mention any names—Nathan Shrimsher. Mm. Yep. Uh, that's okay though. Take Two will be uh, longer than thirty seconds. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have with us Chaz Farmer to help us discuss the spiritual discipline of evangelism. Uh, Chaz Farmer, uh, one of our interns here at Broadway Baptist Church, and uh, recently just preached a sermon on evangelism. And so Chaz, why don't you get us started with, uh, let's go through some of the things you talked about on your sermon, uh, some of the texts you went to, some of the points that you uh, pulled out of the scripture. Help us understand evangelism, uh, especially um, a biblical theological look at evangelism.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was where we started last night. Uh, we started with that biblical theology of evangelism. Uh, we started in, in Genesis one with God creating the world and everything in it. Finally, um, the culmination of that being His creation of Adam and Eve, His image bearers. Um, that being, that's a big deal. Uh, there's a lot in that idea that we're made in God's image, um, and that He gives them this this charge to be fruitful and multiply. And to fill the earth, um, and finally to rule over the earth as well, to bring everything under God's um, like will for the world. And then we went to Genesis three with the fall, uh, Adam failing in that charge to to bring everything into God's will. Um, but there, even God offers this promise to Adam that that would be made right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which then, is
0: the promise. To, uh, that God gave to uh, man took the form of a curse, mm-hmm. uh, cursing the serpent, saying that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the of the serpent. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah which we ultimately, obviously, see uh,
1: fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. But
0: you went from there to
1: yeah. So as from there, as humanity is fruitful and does multiply, mm-hmm. uh, so does our sinfulness, mm-hmm. and God sends the flood, uh, killing every breathing thing except for Adam or. Noah and his family, and then the animals on the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Genesis 9, Noah is given the same charge to be fruitful and multiply. Um, so the purpose of God doesn't change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's wanting to rid the earth of disobedience, right. not his image bearers. Hmm. And then Genesis 12, uh, God calls out to Abram at the time. Uh, you know, his name changes to Abraham. Um, and God promises him that He will make of Abram a great nation, um, and that through Abram all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Um, Paul picks this up in Je- in Galatians, uh, calling it the gospel. And the ultimate fulfillment of this His promise to Abraham is um, the sons of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Paul says, "Those who, yeah, 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 yeah um, reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus. That's right." Let's
0: camp out there for a minute. Pastor Tony, you have uh, had a burden um, the past several years to make known um, and, and to declare to God's people the significance and um, the authority of the Old Testament scriptures and how that the Bible is one story um, and that this is not, uh, when we get to the New Testament, this is definitely not another God. This is definitely not another plan, another gospel but that this one and same gospel has been proclaimed from the beginning. The significance of Paul appealing to Abraham there, what's some of the significance of that for us?
2: Well, you know, I think sometimes whenever we we look at our Bibles, if we're not careful, we think of the gospel as as being a New Testament uh, reality and the bringing in even of the Gentiles uh, being after uh, the day of Pentecost, the book of Acts, But we go back into the Old Testament and we find God's always had a desire for the nations to worship him. And he's always been enfolding, you know, whether that is uh, Ruth, uh, a Moabitess woman who he brings in, or whether that's uh, sending uh, Jonah to preach the gospel to those in Nineveh. Uh, God's always had a heart uh, for the nations and for the peoples of the world. And, And his design, of course, was for Israel to be that light to the nations, mm-hmm. um, and uh, ultimately that's passed on to the church, and so the church now has the uh, the mandate. Uh, I like the way that you you know you took um, Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission, and you, you gave us uh, an understanding of of that. But then you also by going back into Genesis and looking at biblical theology, the big story, the meta narrative, as yeah. you as you explained it. You know that God is, has been redeeming a people unto Himself, and it's not two plans; it, it's right. it's the one eternal plan of God, which was covenanted with Father, Son, and Spirit before even the worlds were formed, um, which is absolutely mind blowing when you think about what redemption cost. Yeah. But yet, before uh, man was ever created, God knew that it was going to cost that. Absolutely. And He was willing to pay it.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> And when we talk about evangelism, it's no longer just, okay, I need to be obedient to Matthew 28. Whenever you see evangelism in light of this biblical theological framework, it's now uh, I need to be obedient to all of Scripture heading in this direction where where God is wanting the fame of his name uh, to be confessed and him to be gloried in throughout all creation. And I'm a part of that. Yeah, I mean, you even go back to to the deliverance of Israel out of
2: Egypt, and you think about those plagues. Mm-hmm. Those plagues were about the glory of God, so that all the Amen. nations of the world would know that Yahweh is God, mm-hmm. God. That, that the Lord is God, and uh, and so His fame and His glory and and the worship uh, is, is what uh, the whole Bible is about. Mm-hmm. You know, we're headed to a, a day when when there'll be the redeemed uh, people of God worshiping him from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so when you talk about evangelism, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with missions. You can't separate you know, missions uh, from evangelism. Right. It's, it's the sharing of the gospel. And um, I thought you did a marvelous job at, in walking through uh, several biblical passages and looking at how we share the gospel in different contexts, mm-hmm. with different starting points. Um, and, and we have to begin where people are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, that as Christians a lot of time, uh, because if we're not careful, we spend our whole lives in church around Christian people, and we can't understand how um, the unbelieving world, uh, what's their worldview, how they think, where they they don't have the same um, starting point, you know, reference point, you know, where, mm-hmm. like when you were talking about with, with Paul, when he's talking with the Jews, he had the Old Testament that he could use but when he was talking to the philosophers, you know, at Mars Hill, it, it's a whole different
0: story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You, you then went to Matthew 28 right. and started fleshing out um, Jesus' first appeals to his authority right. uh, mm-hmm. in order to command this. And that same go ought to remind us of God's call on Abraham, yeah. ought to remind us of God's call to Noah and to Adam that we are to be filling the earth with people who will worship the Lord God, mm-hmm. and and this takes place yeah. through the proclamation of the gospel. Um, and then uh, make disciples of all nations. The relationship between evangelism and discipleship, they're just like you ought not separate evangelism and missions. You ought not to separate evangelism and discipleship, which yes. we yeah. could derail there and, and turn this into a discipleship episode, but let's just stick with evangelism mm-hmm. as the topic here. Um, and, and now unpacking... Um, how to evangelize, by taking our lead from the apostles, you went to three different uh, texts in the New Testament, beginning with Peter mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 2. As Pastor Tony said, mm-hmm. these are people who are Yahweh worshipers. Mm-hmm. They've gathered in Jerusalem in order to worship Yahweh God, and they have the Old Testament scriptures. That informed Peter very obviously. How, how so? How can we read Acts 2 and we know that Peter is contextualizing, meeting them where they are with the knowledge that they have.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at Acts 2, um, you know, he's quoting from Psalms quite a bit um, in the middle of his of his sermon, um, talking about David and everything that, that he had written mm-hmm. beforehand about Christ. Um, and so, so I think it's really cool to see that, that Peter, he assumes a lot of the things that Paul isn't able to assume. Yeah. In Acts chapter 17. Um you know, he calls them to repentance. Well, they know that they need to because he's just laid the the killing right. of of oh, the, the Messiah. Messiah. Yep, which yeah. they would have been yep, yeah. that terminology right.
0: that they're familiar with. Right. Yep. Right.
1: He lays that on them. And they know that's bad news if we just did that. That's bad news. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah, the three points I pulled out of it was that out of this text was that he he confronts their sin. He doesn't hold back, you know. He lays that on them and says, "Repent," um, and they're cut to the heart. It says, right? Um, and then he proclaims God's provision in Christ um, as he calls them to repentance. And so he he assumes all these things, like, uh, like, like in verse twenty three says, "This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God." Paul couldn't assume that in Acts seventeen, but he does. Peter does here. Because they know God has a plan. They mm-hmm. believe all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so he assumes that, um, starts talking about resurrection talk here in verse 24 there. Mm-hmm. It's all this language they're used yeah. to. They're, they know what he's talking about.
0: Yeah. Um, now, when we contrast that with Acts 17, I do not see any, and obviously I haven't looked in with some deeper uh, scholarly material here, but I don't see anything that the translators in my CSB have indicated as an Old Testament reference. Normally that's emboldened. Right. And so he's not Paul speaking to uh, Greeks. He quotes one of their... He quotes from... A secular. Their poets, yes, yes. Um, uh, possibly two references yeah. uh, to two different poets um, that they are familiar with saying, this is what your poets have learned by studying creation. Uh, These are things that is available to all people made in God's image, appealing to general revelation, starting there as a starting point, and then unpacking uh, truths about God, um, significant truths. Um, There's the implication of sin. We're going to get into what makes up the gospel in a minute, Mm -hmm. Um, and I might be giving away some of that here. There's the implication of sin, uh, verse 30, therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance God now commands all people everywhere to repent, and and there's the uh, response to our sin, and in light of uh, God's provision, um, that there's a way uh, unto him uh, by repentance. And he also, which is very, very significant, um, ends with the resurrection, because the resurrection is the source of our hope. Uh, When you talk about apologetics, when you look at Uh, I'm really uh, fond of getting our definitions from the Bible. When you try to develop a New Testament definition for evangelism and apologetics, you find that it is centered around the resurrection, uh, that it is essential, cannot be dispensed with. So these are two examples, Acts 2 and Acts 17, of being aware of your audience, contextualizing, starting with what they know, informing them of things uh, crucial to the gospel, uh, filling in their, um, their blanks in their worldview, um, and getting to the resurrection and calling for them to repent of their sin.
2: Was say, you know, repentance was, it doesn't matter whether you uh, were brought up in Judaism, uh, it doesn't matter if you're religious or irreligious, yeah. the call is the same. Yes. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The yes. call is the same. And as Jesus would say, except you repent, you Mm. shall all likewise perish. And if there's a missing element today in the evangelical church in America, it is the preaching Mm. of sin and repentance. Amen. Uh, We hear all the time, you know, that that pastors won't won't use those terms uh, because they don't want to make people feel bad, uh, they don't want to offend. But I, I love the way in your message you said, who rejoices more over a breakthrough in medical you know, than someone mm-hmm. who has the disease. When we recognize the disease of sin, mm-hmm. then the gospel is going to be precious to that's us. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, if we
2: don't right. recognize our sin, then we why should I care about the gospel? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So what is the gospel? I mean, we can assume the gospel. And there's a difference between knowing uh, something uh, and then knowing it sufficiently to teach it. And so there are a lot of people, we're going to get into some, uh, walls to witnessing um, and, and one of them is fear and uh, insecurity that I don't understand the gospel well enough to teach it right. and, and you know people grow in their knowledge of the gospel um, but what are the essentials to the gospel that need to be a part of every evangelistic conversation?
2: Well when I think about uh, the gospel you know you, you can take it from this redemptive story uh, of all scripture but usually when we think about the gospel we're thinking about the the center the kernel of truth and and I think Paul expresses it very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15 whenever he says you know now I make known to you brethren the gospel which I preached to you which also you received and in which you were saved so this gospel that he's about to share was a gospel they had heard they had believed it, they had received it, and by it they were being saved. And what is that gospel then? He said, uh, for I, verse 3, For I de- delivered unto you f- of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. So at the very core of what we call the gospel there is, first of all, the, the need for the gospel. Yes. We're in our sin, yeah. okay? So Christ died for our sins. Mm-hmm. We're sinners. Mm-hmm. And so this, um, this alienation from God because mm-hmm. of, as you said, what happened in Genesis 3, this rebellion of Adam. So in Adam, all die. We're, we're separated from God. We're sinners. We're sinners by by birth. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice, um, and, and so at the heart of the gospel is, first of all, before you get to the good news, is the reality of how bad the bad news is—that mm-hmm. we are spiritually dead in our sins. Uh, we're doomed. We're depraved. Um, you know, when you read Ephesians two, <laughs> you have this description of before Christ. This is what we were. Mm-hmm. But everything changed when it says, but God, who was rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us. And so it, it begins, the gospel begins by understanding our sin, understanding the separation that sin has brought. But as Paul would say, that the gospel is, is first of all, Christ mm-hmm. died mm-hmm. for our sins. Yes. So we were sinners, but Christ is our substitute? He He died not for His sin, but He died for our sin. Mm. So you know you can go from there, man, and and talk about the the substitutionary atoning work of Christ. Uh, you know the the penal substitutionary atoning of Christ. And, and so it's deep, and you can flesh that out all over the place. Mm-hmm. But at the very heart, mm-hmm. it is that He died for me. Mm-hmm. Christ died for my sins. Mm-hmm. And and that's not the end of the story. At the end of the story, as you said, you, you have no gospel without the resurrection. you got no good news if Jesus is still in the tomb.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: And so the cross and the tomb uh, are vitally important um, to the gospel. And if you leave either one out, you don't have the gospel. That's right. So it has to include the atoning... Uh, the sacrifice, the substitution of Christ for my sins, and then the exaltation, the the resurrection uh, of Christ on that third day, and uh, and the fact that that God validated. How do we know that God accepted the sacrifice? It's because He raised His Son from the That's dead. Right. He exalted Him, and He is now at the right hand, as we've been learning in Hebrews all over the place. He has sat down at the right hand. Of the Majesty of the Throne on High, God said, "I accept the payment that Jesus made, and Jesus
0: made it for us." Amen. Amen. Mm. And uh, so, some points, if we can boil that down, I uh, really love Greg Gilbert's book on what is the gospel. Mm. Good book. God. Small book. Man. Christ. Response. Yeah. Um, the uh, the text that First uh, Corinthians fifteen. Um, Christ died for our sins, so sins is, is in there. But the implication is that there's a God that I've offended. Right. Uh, so you begin if they don't have that category right. in their worldview already, uh, you need to explain to them who God is. Right. Uh, that He's holy and that He is judge, and and He is oriented uh, towards sin. Yeah, which which in America
2: 40 years ago, you would be hard pressed. To find anyone
0: who did not believe in God, right? Mm-hmm. So you could be now, like Peter, and you could assume right. they believe. But you can't do that. Now. That first point, and Peter assumed the second point yeah. mm-hmm. um, because they were taught; the Jews were taught from the law right. uh, about our sin, reminded of sin uh, okay, as the sacrifice. author of he- yeah. e- year Every by year, year reminding yeah. them of of their sin. Right, um, and then Christ, our substitute, who in our place endured our sin and the wrath of God against our sin. Praise God. Uh, And he overcome death, giving us the victory, and God commands all people everywhere to repent um, unto salvation. So that is the gospel. Um, Now, there's a question that comes with this, especially in in churches who are uh, more concerned with uh, right theology and trying to get um, our, our doctrine in line we come to an understanding from the scriptures that God is absolutely sovereign over everything. There's not one thing that takes place that took, that took place outside of God's eternal plan right. that you had appealed to earlier, Pastor Tony. And the question that some wrestle with is, why do I need to share the gospel if God is sovereign over salvation? That Christ hears his sheep, he calls to them, and they will come to him. And uh, then where, where is room for the preacher? Why do I need to share the gospel? Well, that question and people who land on the side of, I don't need to share the gospel, they forget that God uses means to achieve his ends mm-hmm. all the time. Right. You, you he look has it, ordained both. Yes, he's, a, he's ordained the end and the means. Whenever God had the Israelites cross the Red Sea, he sent an east wind to, to part the sea, the wind being the means. Uh, The the end being getting his people across the sea. And God has ordained, commanded us to be his hands and feet, ambassadors for Christ, um, ministers of the new covenant, uh, proclaiming uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ until he comes, and trusting him with the results. Because ultimately, it's not us who convinces the non-believer And changes their heart. We don't have the power to do that. Right. Ultimately, it is God who does that, uh, but we get to work with our Father and we get to watch Him at mm-hmm. work. And so, our participating by uh, evangelism is we get a front row seat. What a joy right. we would miss if we took a back seat or if we neglected this duty. Um, But uh, a lot of the comfort comes from the fact that God is at work uh, in conversion. That it's not on the gospel preacher, Mm. uh, ultimately. Um, We share the gospel, but ultimately it is the Holy Spirit who is responsible for conversion. Chaz, will you talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in conversion?
1: Yeah. Um, So I think when we think of the role of the Spirit, I think it can be in two different places. I think the Spirit's at work in the heart of the preacher. You know, we saw that in Acts 8 last night where Philip, mm, right. the Spirit speaks to Philip. Yeah, Get up and go.
2: He's the obedient witness.
1: Right, right. And so the Spirit is, is taking these preachers, you know, wherever he wants them, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of that external call, the gospel call that goes out, the Spirit's in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I think more so we think of it this way, though, the, the role of the Spirit is, is internal calling, of the spirit in the heart of the sinner, right? And so, uh, in that Acts eight story, you know, you see that that Philip, this man that he's preaching to, that he shares the gospel with, this eunuch, um, he is—he's on his chariot. He just got done worshiping in Jerusalem. He's reading Isaiah, and he's like, "Who is this about? You know, who is it?" He's reading Isaiah fifty-three. The spirit's at work in his heart, giving him these this curiosity about spiritual matters um and it's like philip is in this state of obedience and this eunuch is just like right there ready to Mm -hmm. believe the gospel whenever it's preached to him and they just meet perfectly Mm -hmm. and the spirit brings them both together yes and and this eunuch believes and is baptized right Mm -hmm. there and so the spirit's at work getting people ready uh all the while, he's getting these preachers ready yeah. to preach to them so That's that in right. the right moment, they'll meet, mm-hmm. and conversion happens.
0: Amen. And there are many uh, phrases, descriptions, that the scriptures use to describe the Spirit's work uh, in uh, in God's people who are coming to faith. Uh, the new birth.
2: Yeah, the the conversation that he had with Nicodemus is what always mm. comes, mm-hmm. comes to my mind when I think about the Spirit and, and the new birth. And you know it can't be controlled. It can't be uh, manipulated. He right. said it's like the wind. You you, you don't you, you see the effects of it, yeah. but you certainly can't control it. You don't even always know which way it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is the work of God. I think when we when we talk about the sovereignty of God in salvation, and we talk about the Spirit's work in salvation, it frees us up uh, from ever uh, getting to the place where we think somehow. We need to manipulate the response, and mm-hmm. you know we we've seen and I think it's really one of the saddest testimonies about about the state of the church today is that we have so distorted what true evangelism is mm-hmm. that, that it now is associated with gimmicks and and manipulation and altar calls and and praying a prayer and all these things and so now. We've turned and gone as far as we can in the other direction. Sometimes, you know, usually there's a reaction and an overreaction, yes. and we we've seen that. Uh, there is a place in the church for evangelism, mm-hmm. but it's a work that God does, yes. and that we, as you said, we get to participate. We we, mm-hmm. we are the, you know, the faithful, obedient witness. Um, and that story in uh, in Acts eight has always been just an incredible story to me, because a lot of times you know we hear we hear about the conversion in Acts nine, of Saul of Tarsus, mm-hmm. and if we're not careful, we think every conversion is like that, right? You know that he was fighting against it; and he got knocked off his horse, and you know, and so God saves someone you know who's going the opposite direction, and but here you have someone who has gone to Jerusalem, made a long trip. Mm-hmm. Has gone to the expense of purchasing a scroll, he's got a Bible and he's hand. got a Bible in his hand, <laughs> and he's going away from church as lost as he went. Mm-hmm. And and what does God do? God miraculously moves Philip from where they're having a great revival to go out mm-hmm. into the desert for that one person. And and uh, it always speaks to me too how mm-hmm. how important one person Amen. is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read in uh, in the Gospels when Jesus went across the sea. And the only person that we have record that he ministered to was the man out of the tombs, that's right he gets back in the boat, and goes, he goes back right back one yep. person and here he leaves the the mass evangelism of revival and goes out into the desert why because there's there's one mm-hmm. you know and, and that 's Jesus leaving the ninety ninety nine to go find the one Amen. you know so Amen. Um, but yeah, we could be tempted if we think it 's of us if it 's on first of all that 's a heavy load
1: yeah. Mm-hmm
2: if the eternal destiny of people are resting upon how well i articulate and present the gospel You've got to get
0: all the conditions right I, I, the right music at the end i can't sleep with this that. that's that's okay. a
2: heavy load no. you know but if i understand that i'm simply sowing seed i'm simply speaking truth and god is the one who has to open the heart prepare the soul god is the one who brings about the conversion then then my part is just
0: being faithful mm. and being obedient. Amen. John six sixty three. Mm. The Spirit is the one who gives life. The mm. flesh doesn't help at all. Right. Uh, we preach the gospel. We plant the seed. We do not till the ground. Right. Uh, we cannot make the growth happen. That's we right. scatter seed and we trust God with the results. Yeah. But we're but, not patient.
2: We 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 many times yeah, we try to force looking, a reaction. We want we uh, want the prayer. We want to be able to walk away and say. They trusted Christ, yep. mm-hmm. and only God knows that's whether right. they did or not. And many times we plant a seed that doesn't come up for for much later, mm-hmm. and we may not even know about it. That's right. So, and we got to be okay with that. We got to be okay, yep. and that's the great thing about Jesus. He was okay to let people walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he if it's if it's about you know being persuasive or saying the right words, certainly he could have done that. But he let a lot of people walk away. Yep. That's right. And he was okay with
0: it. Yep. Amen. And also, um, whenever we put the focus more on my articulation, what I am saying, we're taking it off of the truth of the gospel itself. Right, right. Where, that's where the power is, not in the right. persuasion, right. not in the art of, of crappy speech. The power is in the simple gospel that Paul says is foolishness right. to the world. Absolutely. And so this uh, leads us into the next thing that we wanted to talk about. Um, Timothy Bucher, Dr. Tim Bucher, Southern Seminary professor of personal evangelism, wrote a little book, very helpful, Overcoming Walls to Witnessing. And in it, he tackles what he calls five walls to witnessing. Uh, The first is fear. I'm afraid to witness. The second is ignorance. I don't know how to witness. Third is apathy. I lack the desire to witness. The fourth one is introspection. I first need to get my own life in order before I begin witnessing. And the last one is busyness. I can never find time to witness. And I figured that we could just kind of deal with these because I believe he's right. These are typically, what I have heard, the most common walls, barriers that people, uh, that's keeping them from sharing the gospel regularly. So the first, I'm afraid to witness. Maybe the most common uh, that I've seen uh, in, in people. Um, and I would first say that sharing the gospel, the more that you have confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit, the less pressure is on you, that you realize is on you. And, and so there's not much room for you to be afraid of you failing. Right. There is a place for us to want to have a, a good uh, understanding, a good handle on the gospel. To even be good conversationalists. Um, Right now I'm walking my college students through the book Tactics by Greg Kokel. It's how to be a better uh, gospel conversationalist. There's room for that. But the person who has just come to faith, I think of the woman at the well. Someone at the lowest end of society who is definitely hanging out by herself, likely because Mm -hmm. she's very insecure Mm -hmm. and has a lot of baggage in her past. What does she do after she comes to realize who the living water is before her, Jesus? She goes into the village and tells the men that, that she has found the Messiah. Right. Uh, so the very first thing that she does, no doubt, uh, a woman battling with a lot of insecurities, it, and I'm, I am guaranteed not much... Some,
2: probably some of the men that she's had a probably with. Probably so, <laughs> yeah.
0: and didn't have much time to work on a good gospel presentation... <laughs> right? (laughs) Just goes and shares what she knows, right? right, Right. And so it can be as little as what you know of the truth of the gospel, but the power is in the gospel, Mm -hmm. not in your persuasion. So there's not much pressure on you. I would would encourage you, if you're struggling with fear, just focus on the fact that it is the Spirit who gives life, and that you get to be a front row seat uh, of God working in hearts. And this is a, a joyful message that you get to proclaim. And whatever people think about you, if it's, if you're afraid of some of the relational aftermath, if you've got some friends or family members who are hostile to to the gospel, first know that uh, God said this is how it is with the non-believer. You ought to expect the non-believer right. to be hostile to truth, um, but not to the point where you fear the non-believer. Mm. Uh, in First Peter three, um, whenever Peter is encouraging. Uh, us to be prepared at any time uh, to make a defense of the hope that's in us. He first begins by citing Isaiah and says, fear not uh, them, Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking about those who uh, protest or raise accusations against uh, the believers. And in Peter's day, what the Christians were dealing with, those who were hostile to the faith, they were bringing Christians before the courts. Mm -hmm. They were Uh, ridiculing and imprisoning Christians. And Peter says, don't be afraid of them. Uh, Fear not them. Rather, fear the Lord. And out of a motivation to want to please the Lord a zeal for his name, let those desires overcome your fear. Now, ignorance, I don't know how to witness. That's another thing. Tony, will you speak on that?
2: Yeah, I think it's... um Again, we, we think that we must be able to answer every possible question, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so we think that we're not trained, and so evangelism then gets kicked over to, uh, to the professionals. You know, that's what we pay the pastor for, <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's an insecurity mm-hmm. um, that, that we don't have enough biblical insight or biblical training. And, um, you know, I've been a pastor now going on 40 years, and I've gone through all kinds of programs and all, all different ways to teach it to people. Um, but usually it's not a lack of biblical context. It's not our content. They, they, they know enough. I mean, as you said, the woman at the well didn't, didn't go off and take a class to learn how to share that she had found the Messiah. Um, You know, in John 9, a man that was born blind, uh, I love his response when they're interrogating him. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now (laughs) I see, you know. And and so we we don't have to answer all of the deep theological questions Mm -hmm. that people might have. But what we do is we have to have an encounter with Christ. Mm -hmm. You don't give away something that you don't have. That's right. And so I think part of the reason that that many Christians never share the gospel is they have not been transformed by the gospel. Mm. And, and so, but but if you have a a, a changed life, um, there's going to be not just the the verbal verbalization of that, but there's going yeah. to be the shoe leather, the walking is going to be different, the talking is going to be different, and people are going to say, "Man, you've changed. What happened to you?" And, and so you don't have to have all of the I mean, I think it's good. I've I've taught evangelism classes and seminary extension where you you teach people the Romans road or Mm -hmm. you look at all these texts and Uh, so forth. Three circles. There's a lot of different different ways. And that's great. But nothing will take the place of just an excitement and a zeal that Christ has changed Mm -hmm. my life. And so don't be intimidated because you don't have a, a seminary degree or you don't have a lot of scripture memorized or you can't answer. Nobody can answer it. There's people can that's come right. up with questions that, that there's no answer to. Yep, And that's not what it's about. It's about sharing an experience that you've had that has transformed mm-hmm. your life. You have met the risen Savior and uh, have been redeemed by his marvelous grace. And so, uh, you know, just, just having that zeal and that mm-hmm. desire.
0: Amen. You know. Amen. Yeah. Um, I, I really do feel like that the pressure, which I am very much into apologetics, and I see its place, but a lot of people feel the pressure to be need to be a good apologist and handle every single right. accusation or question uh, in order to share the gospel. And so, in that regard, sometimes it can cause more harm than good. Well, you know, when you
2: read when you read the gospels, I, I, I love. Toward the end of the, the, the ministry of our Lord, when they're coming to him, with trying to trap him in all these questions, you know, they, they, everybody was lining hmm. up. But a lot of times, he, he didn't answer. He, he would turn around and ask them a question. He exactly. said, you answer that, and if you do, then I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. and, and they can't right. answer. And he didn't, yeah. he didn't answer their question. That's right. So you, you don't, don't have, have to answer entertain
0: every, every, every question. question that's, that's raised exactly up right. against you. And it's okay to say, I don't I know. I don't know. That's perfectly fine. That's and, fine. fine. And, and as, as you well, said. That is an answer simply share your own experience with Christ. Right, right. Um, that and and these uh, especially the God-man Christ response uh, little little points of the gospel, um, that is sufficient right. uh, for them because to know the enough. Because spirit is going to take that right. and That's enough content yeah. for them to come to faith right. in. Um, apathy. I lack the desire to witness. Chaz, will you speak on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. If we and I know we're maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but um, you need to look inwardly. If you're apathetic to sharing this huge great news, you should look at what's, what's going on yeah. inside your heart, right? Um, and I'll leave that to, to Tony. That's his next. But um, another point that I want to bring up is like, we need to consider the greatness of mm. the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Knowing that this is God's, eternal mission mm-hmm. that He's been on, and He's right. inviting us in on it. Mm-hmm. How could we be apathetic right. towards that? That's a big deal that yeah. God is asking us, commanding us, really, yeah. to be in on His mission. Uh, that changes
0: everything. What more important do you have going on? <laughs> <laughs> Your job's right. not that important. That's right. for, you know. Yeah. Well, and to be able to think of ways to redeem uh, your work and, mm-hmm. and your vocation, uh, your hobbies, the people that you're with. Honestly, the only non-believers I'm around um, are, are those that I uh, meet in Kung Fu. Um, uh, other than that, I really don't think I'm around non-believers. It's, it's hard in pastoral so. ministry. Very hard. <laughs> um, and yeah. so just try to redeem whatever you can, whatever your typical avenues uh, to find opportunities to share the gospel that comes out of a desire, uh, first to see God glorified
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, out of compassion for the lost.
1: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. When you yeah. think about the bad news, right. mm-hmm. Jesus says weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. It doesn't end. Yeah. Right. You know, how could you love your neighbor and let him go into right. that? Right.
0: Yeah. You know? And that's what caused Christ to weep over Jerusalem. Mm. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I desired to gather you right. like a hen gathers her chicks. Yeah. Amen. Introspection, the uh, fourth wall to witnessing. I first need to get my own life in order before I witness.
2: And I think this is the reason when we talk about sharing the gospel, it's, it's most difficult to share the gospel with your own family. Mm. It's because we know uh, that they know all of our baggage. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They've, they've grown up with us. They've known um, you know, all of our hang-ups and all of our stuff. And so um, we, we don't feel worthy, um, uh, and we know that they know us too well. And, um, and I think that, that we forget then that, that we, uh, you know, but by, by the grace of God, uh, we, we're, we're all in the same boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only by Amen. his redeeming grace and love. And, um, and, and by, by sharing the good news of the gospel— I'm not in any way saying I'm better than you. Right. I'm not in any way saying that I cleaned myself up. Yeah. Lord, no. It, it, it's he has cleaned me up. He has mm-hmm. redeemed me. He has done this. But uh, a- another aspect of it, I think, in America today is this uh, sense of uh, personal, um, you know, we don't get into other people's business. We don't hold yeah. each other accountable for that That's reason. Right. Yeah. You know, who am I? To point out to a brother, mm-hmm. who am I to judge? Who am I uh, to share uh, this gospel with them mm-hmm. as though I've got it all together when I know mm-hmm. I don't have it all together? Yeah, yeah. And so I think these are things that, that we, we must have a right understanding of our identity in Christ and um, an and understanding that, that, again, the gospel, we can never share the gospel with the wrong person. We're, we're to share the gospel with everyone. Um, and yeah. God again will, will bring about the salvation, but I, I'm just to be out there slinging seed. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be uh, sharing the gospel. And when we talk about sharing the gospel, when it's introspection with with people that are really close to us, uh, our lifestyle, you know uh, you hear all this debate all the time about lifestyle evangelism, relationship evangelism versus some other kind of evangelism, <laughs> they got to go hand in hand. We, we must, Live it, mm-hmm. and then we must speak it. Yeah. If we only live it, mm-hmm. all they know is that we're different. Yes, all they know is, hey, he does some good stuff. Until we tell them, hey, it's not any good in me; it's mm-hmm. in Christ. Amen. So the the, the two have to go yeah. hand in hand, and um, and they they must again um, be shared with a heart that, mm-hmm. that is in no way looking at at a brother or a sister in mm-hmm. any way as though you know, I've got it together, and you
0: don't. That's right. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think one of the main reasons why the Lord keeps um, He doesn't perfect us immediately is because how intimidating would it be, right? If you were a non-believer and, and everybody was perfect. a perfect yeah. person comes to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my yeah. goodness, yeah. right? But also yeah. to keep the the gospel preacher humble. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and if there would be definitely that temptation to think that that we had something to do with it if right. our if our lives were all in, in order. But we ought to share the gospel. And the problem
2: is that a lot of times the unbeliever,
0: they think that of us. And yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we do. We project that. You're, you're definitely right. That right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're self-righteous. But we must share the gospel consciously, humble, knowing that right. this is the gospel that first saved us. Right. And without the Spirit of God first coming to us, we would be as lost as right. uh, our neighbor that we're seeking to witness to. And back to First Peter 3, um, our, uh, the best apologetic is cr- good Christian conduct. Right. Yet yeah, do this with gentleness and respect. Right. Right. Um, that, that is what we should lead with. That is going to speak more volumes than you having a, a good defense um, of uh, uh, the reliability of the scriptures or be able to articulate. Yeah. And, and uh, five
2: minutes of poor conduct. Oh man, we can undo Undo
0: everything. A a lifetime of verbalizing the gospel. You're definitely right Mm -hmm. about that. And this final wall to witnessing, you know, maybe this is the one that I would would see uh, the most busyness. I can never find time to witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chaz, what do you think about that one?
1: I hope that I don't come across as like a punk 20-year-old saying this, but you're just not. <laughs> well, you not, are a punk
0: 20-year-old. Right,
1: but I hope I don't sound like more of one. <laughs> like, man, you're just not. Yeah. You're not too busy to share this news. Right. Yeah. If you want to be convicted, turn your screen time monitoring yeah, on. Go. Yeah, that's right. That will kill you.
0: People don't realize how much time it's eating. Right? It's, you, you don't until you turn that screen. Absolutely, in the day of judgment remove any excuse
2: Mm. i didn't have time to read my bible i didn't have time to pray i didn't have time to witness Mm -hmm. yeah really yeah yeah, your facebook time was through the roof yeah 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 it's like
1: seven hours a day is the average online right now
0: is that right social media you can
1: work another job you could work another job (laughs) Like, right. seriously, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, the crazy you know? part is that they're doing it while they're at work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Which is another yeah. bad conduct.
1: Which is when you're around the most yeah. unbelievers, yeah. probably. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Um, Whitney, Donald Whitney, in his um, his book on the spiritual disciplines, talks about how, as a pastor, if he wanted to, he could spend every moment of his life with just Christians. Yeah, yeah. But he's that's been right. given these marching orders right. to mm-hmm. go out, you know. Yeah. And I'm not a Greek student, but I've heard it argued that this go, therefore... As Jesus as says, going. it's a continual. As you're it's going. going. Yeah. Right? Exactly right. And so, man, I go, we go places. Yeah. And there's lost people there. Yeah. And as we go, we right. share. Everybody you know,
0: we, gets groceries.
1: Everybody gets groceries. Yeah. Lost right. people need to eat. You, you go to the so dentist, you,
0: you go to the eye dog, you go to places. Mm-hmm. And where there are places, there are people. Where there are people, there are lost people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think, um, I hope that this has been. Uh, and encouraging especially this last section uh, to help you overcome these walls to witnessing um, if uh, you want a little bit more encouragement I would recommend looking up Dr. Uh, Bucher um, uh, Timothy Booker, uh, in this work but also uh, the book in the series that we've been uh, showcasing uh, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life right. by Donald Whitney uh, that too uh, is an encouraging work and um, uh, you know I uh, started by hammering the guy behind the camera, but we couldn't do it without our uh, camera crew here. We thank mm. you guys. Take two mm. has been successful, correct? We think. Did yeah, you have the camera? All
2: good? Was the camera running? It yeah, this you guys are good. Awesome.
0: Yeah, awesome. We thank you. Th- uh, a lot more uh, intelligence than <laughs> the guys at this table uh, with respect to technology. Uh, but we do hope this is an encouragement episode. Next week, we'll be dealing with what topic, Pastor Tony? Pastor Glenn will be sharing. That's right. I don't remember. Oh my goodness! Ooh, I don't remember either. That's, it's you know you know what? It's because it's a secret. Secret unveiling next week, episode five. The secret, spirit- the <laughs> secret spiritual discipline. You don't want to miss out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I hope Glenn knows. <laughs> I hope he does too. We'll text him just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, would, have, I don't have my list in front of me, so that's okay. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Lord willing, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Make much of Christ.